When it comes to hard work, there's one important rule. Pick the right tool for the right job. That's why Chevy offers a family of Silverado pickup trucks designed just for the job. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Black Black. Hawks Live. Felino in front, he shoots, he scores! It's an empty net goal! Black Hawks Live. From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, time to talk hockey, time to talk Hawks. Nick Felino. We are not in a position to be making excuses at all. It is what it is, the schedule is, every team gets gets screwed somehow, somewhere. It's time for Blackhawks Live. We're a team that needs to fight for respect now. We're not a team that's going to be given any easy nights, and we shouldn't expect that. Here's Joe Brand. It's the second straight week. Where we come off a Blackhawks game where we're kind of scratching our heads. However, there's still a great game to talk about. It just isn't the most recent one. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. We do this every week. It's typically Monday nights, but tonight it's Tuesday night, if you haven't noticed. We had Northwestern basketball yesterday, so every once in a while we move things around. It actually worked out in our favor this week because the Hawks had an off day last night or yesterday overall. They had practice today, their first practice after the loss to the New Jersey Devils, and we got to chat with Nick Felino, one of the leaders on this team, one of the guys that was probably in charge in that players-only meeting that happened after the loss to New Jersey, and he gives us some great insight after the 7.30 news. Jack Heinrich is our producer. We have a lot to get to this week. It's I've mentioned this before, how... Sometimes we're kind of just at the mercy of the scheduling. And some weeks we have a ton of stuff to talk about where I wish we had another hour or two. And then there's other weeks where we're kind of uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel and seeing what's relevant in the Blackhawks world. But a a lot going on over the last couple of games. When we last talked, the Hawks were trying to figure out their way off another rough loss. They come out at the United Center. They beat the Florida Panthers, the reigning Eastern Conference champions, in a very convincing way, too, with a 4-0 lead. They they came right out of the gate with a 3-0 lead in the first period. Everything looked really good. And the following game couldn't fully continue that momentum for a full 60 minutes. Now, let's face it, back-to-back games is not the easiest thing in the hockey world along with facing a good team like New Jersey. I know they were without Jack Hughes and Nico Heeshear, but New Jersey is still a very good team. Now, with all that being said, the Hawks still jumped out to a one nothing lead. You felt good about their start, but then New Jersey just kind of did what they were able to do. I mean, the way they pass the puck, the way they work in transition, I've heard how they've been already compared to the early Blackhawks teams at the beginning of the dynasty, the 2009-2010 teams. But man, they are really something offensively. And again, that's even without Jack Hughes in that game. And the players were so dissatisfied that they felt the need to have a players-only meeting. We talked to Luke Richardson about it a little bit today during practice. I do want to play some sound from him later on. And we never even really got to any of the sound after the post-game show on Sunday because... Of that meeting, it, it delayed the media from going in. Our own Jack Heinrich was just sitting outside, twiddling his thumbs, waiting to barge down the door and get some sound from the Blackhawks players. But it took some time, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase 
some quotes from Seth Jones and Corey Perry. Jones saying that the meeting was about little details on how to play as a team. We want to hold each other accountable for things we talked about at the beginning of the year. We're not mother-effing each other, so they're not putting other people down, like Corey Perry said. Corey Perry called it a good heart-to-heart meeting. Learning how to play like a brotherhood. Not putting anyone down and just talking things out. I almost feel like this team has already experienced critical feedback in three different ways. It started with Luke Richardson calling out his team after the Boston game at home, which they responded very well with, with a road victory in Las Vegas. But then they had the rough loss to Arizona following it. Then, I feel like the the players were a little more vocal. Seth Jones, Nick Felino, they were the ones that were in the media scrum afterwards just saying how we can't take these teams lightly. We can't walk into arena in an arena thinking we're just going to win a game. We're, we don't have that. We don't have that capability. We don't have that consistency yet. So it almost felt like those were the veterans calling out the performance. So, okay, you got the coach in one instance. The team responds. Kind of go back to the same struggles. So then it's the veterans that get vocal. The team responds. Good win against Florida. And then back to the same struggles against New Jersey. So now it's just a different approach. Talking to these guys with a more warm tone maybe and and we don't know what's going on behind closed doors we don't know those conversations but i do like to believe that they're positive and constructive ones and i I do believe seth jones and Corey perry talking about how they're just trying to get the best out of these younger players and a lot's been said about connor bedard really extending his shifts and and playing Longer than maybe he should, which can get the rest of the offense out of rhythm. Luke Richardson was asked about that today. I liked his answer, just basically saying it's not so much how long Bedard is playing or how often he's lengthening his shifts, but choosing when to do it. Don't do it at a time when you know you could be helping out on offense, or, or don't be doing it at a time where it's the moment you have to play. you got to be on the def- defensive side, and then the guy replacing you is just thrown right into that right away. And I do think that's a growing pain. That is something that Connor Bedard is learning. He's, he's still producing, right? Five goals on the year, leading the team in goals, co-leading the team in points. The offensive pow- firepower is there. But there are some mistakes here and there, which you expect from an 18-year-old. But the good news is they're not overbearing mistakes. They're not glaring. They're not costing the team the game. There are other things that are costing this team games. And it's it's a little frustrating because the effort was always there, or at least there for the majority, last season. And I don't know if it's so much the effort that's not there, but it is the little things. Now, I think the excuse for that is you can almost draw a line down this roster for veterans that weren't here last year, and young players that weren't here last year. The guys in the middle, Taylor Radish, Jason Dickinson, Boris Kachuk, Reese Johnson, Mackenzie Entwistle, sure I'm missing more. Okay, Athanasiu, Kurashev, but but let's pull Kurashev out of there for a moment. All those guys are kind of fighting for time. Not all the time, and not directly against each other, but There's been times where I think every one of those guys have been a healthy scratch. 
maybe not Dickinson, maybe not Radish, but they've earned it. And it's a unique, different role for them this year. We talked with Jason Dickinson not too long ago about how he's able to feel more vocal, how he's able to have a different stance, responsibility, and role on this team because of the departure of guys like Taves and Kane. So the new veterans that were brought in are serving a different role. The young rookies that are being brought in are learning on the fly. And even the guys in the middle are in a totally different situation. And again, it's not an excuse, right? That's what you have training camp for. That's what you have the preseason for. But maybe that's why everything isn't clicking as soon as Hawks fans were hoping it would be. Now, the good news is this is still part of a rebuild. And these growing pains are somewhat expected. But the frustrating thing is how well they do in those wins and just trying to turn that more consistently. And that's exactly what Nick Foligno said, that consistency isn't something you just get. you got to earn it. Really enjoy the conversation we had with Nick Foligno. Can't wait to play it for you. He talks about coming here to Chicago, bringing his whole family. His new role as a family man kind of is very similar to his new role on this Blackhawks team. He talks about playing with Connor Bedard, kind of taking him under his wing and being his wing. That line of Felino, Kurashev, and Bedard has looked very impressive. So we talked to him about that. And listen, just because we're up front on this show, we've talked about it in the past, we will bring up the recent lawsuit, which really is just a continuation of the original lawsuit by Kyle Beach. This is coming from Black Ace Number 1, who was listed in that original lawsuit, in that investigation by Block and Jenner. But now this is this victim coming forth, looking for an answer to everything that he had to endure. And I'm guessing the Blackhawks knew that this was coming. And they're not hiding from anything, at least from the reports. And the other thing is... They've gone through this. They've gone through the change. Everyone who was in charge at that time is no longer here. Changes have been implemented. Leadership roles have been rebuilt. And we are all trying to move on from this. But when things like this happen, they do tend to come back up. And this is an example of it. So we're just going to be upfront with it. Plenty to talk about here on Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. I've said what I needed to say before the game and, and in between periods. After the game, it's over. We take our time and watch the video and discuss things yesterday for and after the game for today's viewpoint of how can we get a little bit better from last game. And the heat of the moment after the game, they're disappointed they lost. And they should be exhausted from the effort they put out. And what am I going to say at that moment that's going to impact... To me, I don't think there's really anything I can go in and say that's going to impact the next game. So for them, from their peers, I think it goes a lot farther. And they probably just touched on a few areas that we would probably say anyway. So I don't even want to dive into what they said. I'd like them to control that locker room. That's their area. We just kind of come in and try and give them a game plan that suits, that we think best for them. And we're happy to have dialogue with them all the time. And uh, we do sometimes. But that dressing room, when we leave, it's up to them to be motivated to go on that ice. It's up to them to take control of their life and this opportunity that they have, and, and we're happy that they, they have that meeting or 
or they say a few things even after the coach leaves, even if the guy's doesn't know what he's talking about and not system wise but because we all have to play the same system but uh, you know uh, maybe the wrong time to be a little upset or the wrong time not to be upset so I think for them to take that on themselves is a really good thing. That's Hawks head coach Luke Richardson earlier today during practice I asked him what is the role of a coach after a players-only team meeting? Do you kind of dig into what had happened so you can elaborate on it or bounce off of it? And he said what you just heard, basically no. You just kind of let the players do their thing. I like how he said the dressing room is, is their place. You know, Let them have at it. Let them talk. Let them kind of police the room. And again... Luke Richardson played for so long, I'm sure he's taking that from an experience of, oh, okay, this is what worked best. Where you have the leadership, you have you know, the coach, the, the, the person there to provide accountability and leadership and guidance, but so much of that has to happen within the room with the players too. And he just kind of naturally allows that to happen. I even like how he said... You know, if I leave and they say, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, kind of in jest, but even if not, if, if it's an opportunity for the team to rally together and, and kind of bond and, and mesh, then he's a fan of that. Which, again, goes to show you how Luke Richardson is team first and not a selfish guy whatsoever and continues to give us thoughtful, in-depth answers with just about everything. And a guy that has talked about in the past how he feels the door is open for any player to come forward with any concerns, whether it be hockey or elsewhere. And he has said that he's felt that throughout the entire Hawks organization since landing this job a couple years ago. Which leads us to the point where the Hawks have made new leadership changes And they've totally rebuilt the leadership core since the original lawsuit was filed by Kyle Beach. And again, we're talking about the most recent lawsuit that was addressed by a new firm representing a new victim. But this is a victim we knew about from the original report from Block and Jenner. This is Black Ace number one who was a witness in that original investigation. And he has recently come forth with more allegations, or I I should say similar allegations to the ones that Kyle Beach had reported about the same coach, Brad Aldridge. And, I mean, they're they're graphic, they're rough, they're terrible. So we're not going to get in-depth on it, but they're similar, if not the same, to the ones that Kyle Beach was mentioning earlier. So again, we knew about this victim in the past. Now that person is coming forth and trying to hold somebody responsible. And at this time, it's the Blackhawks organization. Even though they have essentially cleaned house since that, it's the organization's responsibility still. So it likely will end in a settlement. At least that's what I'm under the assumption of. The Hawks have come out and said that they're not hiding from anything. I'm just kind of 
chopping up this quote. We've changed as a result of what happened and implemented numerous positive improvements, completely rebuilt the leadership team with personnel who demonstrate our values. They have. Uh, until we learn more about this pending litigation, we will refrain from commenting with any additional specifics. So I bring it up because it's obviously still a serious matter. And landing the rights to Conor Bedard and moving on from everyone else in the previous organization doesn't totally put away everything that had happened. And the whole reason of that is to remember these horrible occurrences so that they don't happen again. And I do think, and this is my own personal opinion, everything that the Hawks have done since that moment regarding this situation seem to be the right steps forward. And at this time, that's that's all we have to count on, and I do think that that is the case for this moment. Nick Foligno was brought in via a trade. He comes over from a Boston Bruins team that just had the best regular season. They got bounced in the playoffs, but he was still on a very good team. And he gets traded over to the Blackhawks, who are in a rebuild. But he gets brought over because not just of the player he is, but because of the person he is. And I hope you realize what type of person he is when we talk to him after the news with David Jennings from the WGN Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live on WGN Radio. We're talking with one of the newer Blackhawks this year, and Nick Felino. Nick, kind of take me through what the difference has been from once you found out you were becoming a Chicago Blackhawk to now here you are, pretty well established. How, how different has this year gone when you first envisioned it? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing I'd say is that I just feel like I've been welcomed uh, so easily by this group. And I think that was the, you know, you always worry when you've been in the league a long time and uh, you go to new teams and, um, you know, you, you you try not to instill too much at too early. But these guys have almost been hungry for it and, and allowed us older guys that have come in and, and really help push in the direction that we're trying to go. And uh, so I really appreciate that because I think it just help, makes it easier on me and finding my comfort zone, but also understanding the guys a lot better too so um but this organization's impressed me at every turn uh, you know when i when i talked to kyle originally and then luke and obviously the history i have with luke and um what they're trying to do here it just really lined up with with how i feel a team should be and uh and we're working towards that it's, it's not obviously where we want to be right now but um i'm excited about uh, the plans in place and i feel like it lines up really well with me what were some of those conversations like with luke and or kyle about what they wanted your role to be coming in here I think just you know to be a sounding board and and an and echo chamber and in the same same sense is just you know making sure that I'm sending the message that they want down to the group and but also listening to to what the guys ask and and are needing and and bringing that back to them as well and uh, sometimes when when you have those players I've seen it when I was a younger player to to have that that go between between the coaching staff especially when a young your young team as much as the coaches are approachable and they've done a fantastic job here all, all the coaches uh, it's just easier to talk to your teammates sometimes and then you can kind of relay that to the coaching staff as you've you know been around a little bit longer have established yourself a little bit more and it's easier to go up and, and have those conversations and and also just you know what the coaching staff wants it really lines up with the way I feel the, the game should be played and um, so it's, it's kind of made that transition really easy on me and uh, so those conversations were pretty easy it was you know I'd known Kyle a long time from back in Sudbury and uh, it's really cool to reconnect now and uh, the way Luke played you know you can see that he instills that and his players there's a standard that he wants every guy to get to and um you know it's 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 the way to play to win hockey games and be competitive so um i'm really enjoying doing that with the group of guys we have 
despite the ups and downs that the season has had, I mean, the transparency seems to still be there. What makes a good players-only team meeting? Yeah, I think what happens is then then you get everyone's input. Sometimes when the coach speaks, it's it's more one way. You know, as much as they want dialogue back and forth, there's a message they're trying to send to you. Whereas, you know, when you get a players-only meeting, uh, it, it gives guys an opportunity to have a little bit of a stage and an opportunity to speak and speak their mind a little bit. And, you know, it can never just be one-sided where the you know some some players are speaking you're you're hoping for input from some other guys because that's the whole point of it is is understanding where they're where they're at and um but also you know a room that can run itself those are the rooms that do have success and 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 that's what i wanted guys to understand i think that's what our room was trying to make each other understand is that you know there's a standard that we have to get to as players forget what the coaches are asking it's we got to trust each other each and every night that that guy's going to get to his best game and um you know and i think that's how you really build a, a culture of winning and uh, and hopefully we can do that. Is this the most unique leadership core you've been a part of? I mean, you've been a captain, you've had captains, and then even the leadership core that was brought in this year is so different from the years past. And guys like Taves and Kane are gone now, and it allows people who were teammates of them to speak up. I mean, how, have you embraced like how unique this whole situation yeah, is? I have. I've really enjoyed it. I think that's, to me, that's the best room. I, I, I've been on both sides where, you know, but I just know that when every player feels like they have a voice, um, they just take ownership of the team a little bit more and, and uh, their role and, and, and their responsibility to each other. And so that's what I love. I, I've always tried to lead that way where, yeah, okay, you maybe wear the C or a letter, but, you know, why isn't the 19-year-old having a say? He's so important to the group right now, or the 18-year-old in, in our case, right? And um, they're really they're playing a lot of minutes now. It's not like the old days where you used to come in, you play on the fourth line, and you kind of plug into those roles. Now it's you're playing 20 minutes a night sometimes as an 18-year-old, and we have a couple of those guys. So they are very important to how they're feeling and what they need and um and you try to listen and 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 help and also make them realize all right well you know some of this stuff is is just being a pro and understanding all right there's there's certain ways to play and 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 respecting the game and so you can give them a little bit of that knowledge but it's a give and take kind of situation and i i love how unique this leadership group is and i think it's the reason why we've had such growth already from the start of the year now, the big reason is the, the 18-year-old, the sensation that's here in Connor Bedard. I, I know you've kind of already taken him under your wing at the beginning, but to actually be his wing and, and be on the same line, what, what have you picked up from him on that? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying to not be an anchor. Um, <laughs> no, he's uh, – it's been nice because I think what happens is a lot of times you, you get – you know the off ice stuff is great, but if there's stuff within the game that I can see, and now being on his line and helping with, and um, and he helps me with, obviously, I mean he's an, an unbelievable talent. So you're just excited to play with a player like that, and the opportunities it gives you on the ice, you're going over the boards a little bit more, and the responsibility that comes with it. So making him realize that, but also enjoying that that extra responsibility from the coaching staff, um, I've really enjoyed it. I I love getting to know the player underneath the player, but when you have a player that's that special, it's it's just fun being on the ice with them too. And what he can do and um, I'm hoping our chemistry can continue and as we just keep playing together you get better and better and you know you got Kurashev on the other side who's a heck of a talent for a young player as well so as they grow and, and maybe I can help um, you know insulate them in certain aspects uh, then I, I think it only bodes well for our team as those guys get better and better and, and then we'll see where everyone slots in after. 
you mentioned how much you've enjoyed how everyone's embraced you coming here. How's your family adapting yeah. to Chicago? That's probably been the, the best thing that's that I didn't expect, to be honest with you. Just, you know, when you have three kids that are in uh, elementary school and your wife, and uh, there's a lot that goes into it, and I, I'm lucky. She's an incredible woman and, and is a huge part of why we're so comfortable. But, um, you know, they, they've done so well. We've, we've, uh, we're living in Wicker Park. We've kind of made that home, and uh, we're loving every minute of it and just enjoying the, the what Chicago has to offer. It's funny, you don't get to see this side when you come and visit. Mm-hmm. These suburbs, these, you know, the way they, and we just love the Midwest feel, the people here. Um, yeah, we just really embrace this community already, and they've embraced us, which has been so nice. Our kids have a ton of friends at school, and uh, whenever you see them settled, it just it's amazing what it does to you on, on the hockey front, and uh, I couldn't be more thankful. And that's pretty lucky to have. I mean, not not everyone's got that. It, it can be a challenge to just pick up and move your whole life. I mean, what what allows your family to be able to do that? Well, I think we're a, a close unit as a family. I think that's first and foremost. You listen to what your kids have to say, and and you, you try to make sure that they feel supported and insulated, like I talk about. And and when they do, I think it just it, the dialogue helps. Then you know what they need, and and you know my wife is so cognizant of that, and uh, and also what she needs. Right? It's it's you know she's she's doing a lot of finding doctors, dentists, hairdressers, and all those things that go into it. It's kind of funny, you know, those are little things, but they're big things when you have little kids, right? And, um, and But we've been, we just feel really supported here. Um, the people that we've met through the school have been so good to us, um, helping already. We've got uh, some help with even just hockey practices and things like that. Some families on, other, on our teams have, have had driven our kids to games already. So I think that's the beautiful part of it is everyone kind of helps everybody, and, and we just feel really appreciative and, and enjoying every minute. It and uh, yeah, it's it's been special so far. Yeah, it's kind of cool how it coincides with your role here on this yeah. team, then too, huh? Yeah, it really is. It's it's pretty cool that like, I was going to say that's when you have the family and you you have to be a leader, so to speak, in in your home. Um, it's amazing how many times it translates back into the room. And uh, my kids are kind of closer to some age than some of the guys I'm playing with. So uh, it's really unique and and special. And I think it's just it's made me a better person, a better player. I know you said you didn't you were surprised about living in Chicago and how different it is than visiting Chicago I often ask these questions to transplants but is there anything that Chicagoans do or Midwesterners do that you feel like you can never associate yourself with you you could never do that you can never be that I don't know. I don't know. I, I do. I, I jive with the mustard only. I'm a big <laughs> mustard guy, so I like that already. I don't know. There's there's a reason why we've we've settled. We're gonna settle in the Midwest. We just we really like the the, the lifestyle here. So um, I don't know. I, I think we're we're really enjoying it. And there's nothing that's that's been alarm bells so far, which has been nice. And um, I, I I I'm sure there'll be something. Um, but we also love Boston, and they got some crazy accents and yeah. some things there. So um, I think you just really feel appreciative of every place you get to play i mean listen i'm playing in some pretty great markets and um chicago is has definitely lived up to the hype that i hear about it and i couldn't be more happy to be here a lot of strong personalities in boston huh (laughs) strong accents strong personalities but great people in the core of it so um yeah i was i always tell this when my my son his first day at school he came home and he told him, I'm like, how was your first day? And he said, oh, it was awesome. We worked on this thing called a smart board. And we're like, what is a smart board? And then we realized it's a smart board, but the way the teacher said it, it was smart. So uh, we had a good laugh, and we're like, oh, man, we got to watch these accents on our kids. Nick, thank you very much for the time. Really appreciate this. Thank you. We'll have more Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Let's wrap up Blackhawks Live. Our final segment this week. Again, the next broadcast will be Thursday night. The Hawks... 
visiting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Quick uh, little two-game road trip out to Florida. Tampa Bay on Thursday. Florida on Sunday. It's a day game, a noon game, noon kickoff, feels like, uh, against the Florida Panthers. And then, what do you know? The Hawks play Tampa Bay once again. This one will be at home, though, next Thursday. And that's when the schedule gets really screwy. I mean, it's been screwy all year long, but they have... Three games in a span of two weeks, four games in a span of like two and a half weeks, and then they play a game every other day, basically, starting on November 16th. It's just really, really weird. Uh, Jack Heinrich is our producer, but he does so much more, like uh, Jack's final thoughts. So, Jack Heinrich, the floor is yours. I like that. Jack's final thoughts. I, I guess we didn't coin this segment or anything yet. So Yeah, we haven't brainstormed it yet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what we came up with. <laughs> Uh, it works for me. Um, I like um, that interview you had with Felino. I mean, he's just so good anytime you get to talk with him. And um, I thought it was really insightful. I really liked what he said about Bedard, playing with Bedard. And he's like, I, he, I can obviously help him being on the ice. And our off-ice relationship gets stronger and our on-ice relationship gets stronger. But he's like, I can learn from him too because he's like so talented. And that's like a guy who's been a captain and been on a lot of good teams. And he's like, I can learn from this 18-year-old kid. I thought that was pretty cool and that shows you why he why they brought him in because he's just like the perfect leader for this team and it seems like he's going to set a good foundation even if you don't see it as much this year and wins and losses at least going forward a lot of these young guys can learn a lot of lessons going forward i'm hoping philip kurashev's another guy that just picks up a ton he brought him up too um yeah no he did and and he's looked good Mm -hmm. sometimes he's looked great and we've seen those flashes in the pan from Phil Kurashev in the past, but it, it, the problem is the consistency isn't there. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe it, it takes playing with the next generational talent in order to bring the best out of you to make Philip Kurashev as um, useful, productive as he can be. But, okay, I mean, no one's complaining about that. It, the, the Hawks definitely have a high ceiling on him, but I think the clock is starting to tick. Not that it's time to get impatient with him, but they're keeping an eye on it. So it's it's great to see how it's much a, better he's doing. It's a big evaluation period, too, for like everybody, good point. everybody on the team. So, I mean, you're obviously looking at who plays well with Bedard, and if you, you play well with him, you're more likely to stick around. And looking at Korchinski, he made it past the 10 games, so his contract kicks in, so it seems like he's staying. So I think a lot of, the, a lot of these guys you're looking at is they're – I, I don't want to say like fighting for a roster spot in the future, but you, they kind of are. They're kind of fighting for just their worth. Exactly, yeah. Whether it's here or with another team. Um, and that's that's good. I mean, that's healthy to have inside a locker room. Um, and, and again, all this is easy for us to say, even though you know there have been a couple of duds of games lately. But I, I, I do think that there's just a whole lot working against the Hawks right now. I mean, David Jennings does news. He came in here and he was asking me about the schedule. He's like, what's up with the schedule? Why why are they not playing? And then they are playing, and they're not playing a lot, and then they are playing a lot, because that's just what it is, and we're not even at the All-Star break yet, where it gets even crazier. But um, the Hawks are going against that, and all the powerhouse teams that they have to face. Gauntlet. And they're still (laughs) trying to figure themselves out. So, yeah, they've got a lot working against them. I think once they find their stride, then at least it provides the opportunity to get that consistency that you're looking for um, and to a way that they can really get their system in full force to just get back to what 
they had last year with basically a full 60-minute effort each and every game. Yeah, I think the once they start playing more, like you said, in a few weeks, when it's like every other day or every couple days, I think that'll help too because it's been a lot of stop-start, flying. It's not an excuse, but it could contribute to some of the effort you see or if they look a little slow out of the gate, like you got a back-to-back at home and then you've got four days off and you're going on the road, you're going to East Coast, West Coast, so it's, it's definitely wacky. Well, the cool thing for this upcoming road trip is it's the mom's trip. Jack, I want you to cue up the sound from Connor Murphy. I got a real kick out of this in practice today because uh, it was one of those weird things where we talked to Luke first and then the players. It's usually flipped, but the the locker room's a lot quieter when it's this way because they're all showered, ready to leave. They just come back to talk to us. And uh, we're talking to Connor Murphy about the upcoming mom's weekend, and then he kind of gets blindsided by a question from Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times, but it's great. Our moms are a big part of our careers and our lives, obviously, and it's uh, it's cool to, to have them around the day-to-day um, because they obviously don't get to see uh, see behind the scenes of what we get to do each day. For you, I think you have four penalties the last four games. Are you trying to maybe <laughs> <laughs> paint it a little bit? transition off the other <laughs> so does your mom what does she think of your penalties so what would you want to know what the penalties? angry about you going to the penalty box yeah, uh, yeah no, it was more so just having the two in one game is not good and uh, um, I thought the one was uh, definitely a missed call the first one but then just being too hard uh, closing on the, the the best part about it is he, he goes into a, a legit answer about the penalty question <laughs> and he he just kind of had a smirk but then Ben says sorry as he's asking the question. <laughs> so then he just flips into full-on human mode and is just like, yeah, what a great transition there. But And I, I tweeted it out, but Ben's a good sport, too, talking about how Connor Murphy's a good sport. I mean, that's that's great. That's, that's why Connor Murphy's a great quote as well, too, because he just knows how to take those kinds of punches. And then even as Connor Murphy is walking away, Ben's like, I'm sorry. He's like, hey, no, you got to ask those questions. Like he understands the job that the media has to do. Yeah, he's he's been great. He he's talked to us a lot after some tough losses at home, and he's always got a good uh, say, like good stuff to say after, and says the right thing. And I mean, that clip's hilarious. So just the transition is just great. It's it's awesome. It's because uh, again, it's just you, you got to ask it. There's really no great way to transition into it. But uh, honestly. That trait, I feel like Connor Bedard already has too. He, mm-hmm. he, I can tell, like when he gets a little bit bugged by a question. I don't think, hopefully, any of them have been mine just yet. But <laughs> um, you can tell he's he's not thrilled about it, but he just thinks and thinks and respects it, and then spits out a, a yeah, decent answer. He gets it. He gets it at a young age. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. Big thanks to everyone who tuned in. Big thanks to Nick Foligno, the Blackhawks, and Jack Heinrich. Again, our next broadcast is Thursday. The Hawks are in Tampa. Puck drop at 6, pregame at 5.30.